basically we have since 2005 or six, when we did mid-decade redistricting, we have drawn a bunch of safe seats. And so only the most extremist people get elected in Republican primaries. And the people that are elected are so afraid of a Republican primary opponent that they don't have the courage to stand up and vote against bills like the legislature passed this session. And so we end up with the most extreme restrictions on abortion and hateful legislation against LGBTQ folks and silly bans on books and all sorts of other fascist stuff. Welcome to Over the Ledge Live, the podcast. Here we are. We are the number one, and some say only, political satire show based solely on the Texas legislature. So far, we haven't been banned by the Texas legislature because we're not a book, a mask, or an abortion. So fingers crossed, we're next. Over the Ledge gives you a behind-the-scenes look at the shenanigans of the Texas legislature by decoding political headlines and legislators' behavior into easy-to-understand single-ant jokes. We're just as funny, but not as famous. Yet. Let's meet our guest tonight. First up. First up, we have our beloved Aaron Salinas. Aaron is an actor, writer, director, and podcaster with passion for good times, fun vibes, and the Spurs glory days. You can catch him on his podcast, Shame Watch, or streaming video games on Twitch with The Con Save. Welcome, Aaron Salinas. Hey, everybody. Just had a a, a short film come out. It's called uh, Walk It Out, a well-paced documentary on speed walking. (laughs) So please go check that out on Bridge Burners TV. Great. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, um, second, we have a very special guest for you, Jimmy Smoltich. He is a preschool teacher, armchair politician, and comedy comedian. He tells the jokes so you don't have to. He has been told by other people that he's pretty good at being funny and pretty bad at writing bios and pretty medium at making <laughs> salsa. Please welcome Jimmy Smoltich to the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thanks Thanks for being here. Our very special celebrity guest for tonight is Blake Rocap, who has worked for, I mean, worked in or with the Texas legislature since 2007. For the past seven seven legislative sessions, Blake has been the legislative counsel for Avow, formerly NARAL Pro-Choice Texas, focusing his advocacy on abortion rights and reproductive health care. Please welcome Blake Rocap to Over the Ledge. Good evening. I'd only be awake and uh, doing this on a Friday night for Stephanie. Thanks, Aww. Blake. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Shut. It's only 7.30. <laughs> you don't know the life I live, Jimmy. <laughs> Finally, we have the creator and the ruler of the Over the Ledge empire, who needs no introduction. Stephanie, getting ready to be your handmaid, Toby of London, Chiarello. That was good. Needs no introduction. That's right. Is that all you're going to say? Okay. Yes, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to say some things and then I'm going to say some more things after Amy says one more thing. All right. Can't wait. And I'm your announcer, Amy Lowry. Before our, we hear our monologue today, we want to take a special moment to thank our sponsors. We're at 72% of our way towards our $10,000 goal. And 
if you're so inspired, please support us by becoming a sponsor at www.patreon.com slash over the ledge. But no pressure. We're just glad you're here. I mean, you can tell your friends about us. But really, we are just glad you're here. I mean, we need seven more followers on Facebook to have a thousand. And one more follower on Twitch to have two. (laughs) Even numbers. Even numbers. That's what the people want. Thank you to the Dina Joe Heidi Jessen Foundation, Braden Frame, Stephanie's mom and dad, Catherine and Craig, Super France, Brett and Christina, Carla J. Ackerson, Andrew Durham, April Shapley, Audrey Wick, The Banner Family, Sherry Nappy, Carrie Tilton Jones, Jennifer Brown, Merrick Garb, James Canop, and eight under eight other wonderful anonymous donors. Yay! I thought you were going to say eight underwhelming. And not- <laughs> they're, they're not great. I, don't even I was like, come on, let's give them a loud. little credit. Let's- Pretty pitiful. Well, let me just start telling some jokes. How about that? Just do it. All right. Get your best shot. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, really feeling the love right now. Okay, that's cool. Now, in a video announcement that seriously buried the lead, actor and overconfident man about town Matthew McConaughey announced that he would not be running for governor this year. But just like Arnold, he left us wondering if he'll be back. (laughs) Beto O'Rourke has serious ground to make up for in his gubernatorial race against Greg Abbott this year. But I guess as Texas Democrat, <laughs> come on, Chiarello. <laughs> but I guess as Texas Democrats say when it comes to losing races, practice makes perfect. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the State Board of Education approved one sex ed book deemed appropriate for Texas middle schoolers. You guessed it. It's a transcript of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's on-air vasectomy. Really, there's no better abstinence motivation out there. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Wait, is that real? Did he really do an on-air vasectomy? Yes, Shut up. Yes, and he he's... Did. I know. Okay. Which suggests that he might like sex for pleasure. But I can't imagine that. A Not... robot. <laughs> or he's a robot. I did just watch uh, the the movie about the women who are robots. Oh, Stepford? Yes. Yes. Ooh. Which yeah. one? The, 70s the later one. one with Glenn Close. The more recent one in Nicole Kidman. Yeah. All right. Now, people probably should be worried that Texas hasn't done enough to prevent another winter blackout, experts say. Fortunately, Texans are well prepared to be worried. We've been waiting <laughs> for it for years. Now, Governor Greg Abbott promised that the state's electric grid would be able to withstand pressures caused by any potential winter storm that occurs this year. And I quote, I signed almost a dozen laws that make the power grid more effective. Abbott said, I can guarantee the lights will stay on in my mansion and on my home in Lake Austin. (laughs) It's good to be king. Yeah. Didn't like the trip or CNN just like come out like after he said then they were like, yeah, no, they can't like like ERCOT is not ready or something like that. Yeah, everyone is saying they're not ready because we didn't pass any laws. They didn't do any grid any more effective. And they just set up a commission or something. I bought a shovel and some boots. So not to brag, but I because last time I was in cowboy boots. And let me tell you what, (laughs) 
Boo Boo was not in good shape for that winter storm. Boo Boo was not in good shape. Hey, I bought some wood. Like, I got a quarter quarter of wood. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sounds like Dan Patrick did, too. hey Oh, wow. Now, some Texas Republicans are calling for a fourth special session after having banned mask mandates to also ban vaccine mandates. Mandate banning, book banning. I got to say they are really putting the ban back in the Texas Taliban. (laughs) That's good. Seven new depressing laws were slated to take effect yesterday. One which would bar social media companies from censoring users with extreme viewpoints. This was fortunately stopped by a judge who saw the value in keeping platforms like Instagram a safe place for teenage girls to develop healthy body images and teenage boys to find realistic expectations of sex. Mm. Although Asian and Pacific Island Islander populations in Texas have soared over the past decade. A recent case study of Houston redistricting shows how they are actually less represented than before. The Texas redistricting committee retorted that their lines make perfect sense and white men are totally just as good at math as Asians are. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, not really finally, I got more than this. Okay, this is a real group. The Texas Silver-Haired Legislature concludes it was a productive year for senior citizen issues in the ledge. And how could it not be when the average age of a state legislator is 62? It's like that great Taylor Swift song that I had to look up a second ago. I don't know about you. I'm feeling 62. My laws are all right. Stop Texas from going blue. And I think I nailed it. You did. Right on the money. Definitely nailed the the (laughs) Just as Tay-Tay intended. Yes. Okay, now several. Okay, we're almost we're almost done here. Several lawmakers are retiring or changing offices. State Rep. Garnet Coleman, a Houston Democrat, is retiring after 30 years, with a subtle burn, saying, "I'm 60 years old and want to use the rest of my time doing positive things." <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mark Middleton, a North Texas man facing federal charges for allegedly assaulting police officers during the January 6th insurrection and siege at the Capitol, is now running for Texas House Seat 68, which runs from the Oklahoma border south to Lampasas and San Saba counties. That's the whole joke. I, I, I didn't wow, try to punch that for that huge. one. That's <laughs> huge. Yeah, that one's happening. That's massive, dude. That. <laughs> But granted, He's not probably in like, jail or something, I guess. Oh, not that patriot. No. Assault, but he assaulted. I mean, that's that's mm, not just walking you know, around. I did see a truck the other day that had, both had back the blue sticker and then another sticker about something like, if you don't follow the laws, I'll make my own laws. And I was like, which one is it? Yeah. Which one is it? Okay. And finally, Dr. Peter Hotez. A Houston COVID expert is encouraging people to not panic about the Omicron variant before we know how transmissible it is. Not to be confused with Dan Patrick puppet master Steve Hotze, who is encouraging people to use Omicron as a lubricant instead of Astroglide. <laughs> and those are the monologue jokes for today, December 3rd. Thank you. Thanks for sticking with us. Dan. Four fans. We got four. All right. <laughs> Stephanie, good thing this is this show is your idea, or else we'd be banning you from hosting. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> 
Okay, audience, let me tell you how this podcast works. On tonight's episode, Aaron and Jimmy are competing against each other for the coveted Most Knowledgeable Comedian in Austin Award. Comedians, please be aware that you can each phone a friend three times if you are stuck on a question. And by friend, we mean Blake Rocap. The award is given to the comedian who knows the most about Texas politics, according to the outcome of the games on our show. <laughs> Stephanie, show the award. That's a lot of buildup. Yes. <laughs> we never get tired of this. <laughs> Whoever wins gets their picture taken with our special guest, Blake Rocap. And Blake will post the picture on his social media announcing that the winning comedian is the most knowledgeable comedian in Austin. <laughs> Stephanie, do we ask Blake if he is okay with this? No. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> I'm okay with it, but that's being in a picture with me is not much of a prize, gentlemen. I'm sorry. Oh, come on. It is to us. Come on. I think so. You're and a I hero. just met you. Blake, you're a hero. And the I'm award not being sarcastic here. You really are. Fabulous. Um, since Blake is legal counsel for Aval, who advocates unapologetically for abortion access, and the Supreme Court of the United States just heard Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, let's play our first game Women's Right to Know. In, Tex in, oh, in Texas, the doctor performing an abortion must provide the woman seeking an abortion with the Texas Department of State Health Services pamphlet called A, Women's, a Woman's Right to Know, K-N-O-W. What does the Department of State Health Services want women to know about abortion? Because just, just like Colonel Nathan R. Jessup said, women can't handle the truth. As always, comedians can ask our special guests for for help a total of three times a piece between the two games that they play and Blake please feel free to jump in at any time but remember they're men and probably wouldn't listen to you anyway <laughs> is there some sort of buzzer or something or do we just yell stuff oh you out? take turn no you're going to take turns don't worry turns. yeah just right now Jimmy just turns. start what do you think women should know just <laughs> Jimmy that's a slippery slope be very careful we are <laughs> Uh, what do I, what do I think the pamphlet says that women should know? Yeah. You could just start riffing and I'll, I'll let you know if you answer any of my questions or I can ask you a question with some answers and you pick. Oh, okay. Like choice. Well, if it's a pamphlet put out by the government of Texas, I imagine that it, it's the, uh, women's right to know that their body is controlled by men because essentially Texas is the handmaid's tale, uh, in real life. And uh, that if they waited longer than six weeks, then boy, oh boy, <laughs> they better drive to another state. Is that, is that what they need to know? Yeah, they got it. All right. No, no. He, doesn't, he didn't put enough religious uh, iconography on there. I don't know. Like, Oh, yeah. Need Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You need a picture that, of like yeah. Jesus in the womb, like full beard still. Like it, you just, you need a, you need the religious iconography in there. <laughs> Well, he's new. He's new. So let's, Jimmy, you're going to get one bonus point for that. That's great. Tight. And we're going to start here with a real question. I like question. bonuses. Yeah. Are you Sorry, ready, yeah. Jimmy? I hope so. What sentence is in the first paragraph of this booklet that, as Amy just said, any woman seeking an abortion is required to receive? And I'm going to tell you some other things later, but I'd be giving the answers away. Okay, what sentence is in the first paragraph? What is the most important? A, you have the right to make these decisions freely. No one else should make them for you. B, 
Having a baby is a big responsibility. Let's make sure you're ready to be a parent. C. Carrying a child for full term and childbirth pose serious health risks to the mother. Do you think your body is ready? Or D, you have a right to know the truth. It's got to be D. All the other things sounded logical. <laughs> it is. It's both A and D. You have a right to know the truth, and they tell us that we have a right to make these decisions freely. Oh, What's it's A that, and D? Blake? That's kind of a trick question, yeah, though, you, right? If you guess A, you get extra irony points for it being included. Right. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that seems logical. That can't be it. You know, I'm shaking my head. There's no way. You have the right to choose? Well, then uh, what's the law about? Why did you do that? You know, like, you got to be a little less hypocritical and, you know, confusing. Oh, we're just getting started, Jimmy. (laughs) All right, Aaron. The first words you read under the quote, your baby's development section are, number one, your baby began developing at the moment of conception when your unfertilized cell, the ovum, met and fused with the sperm cell of the baby's father. Number two, fetal pain. Newborn babies are able to feel pain. We know that babies develop the ability to feel pain while in the womb. Number three, God wants you to have this baby, just like he wanted Mary to carry his son so badly that he just put his sperm in her without her consent when she was 14 years old. It's not that one because it talks about consent. (laughs) The main stages of development development are conception to an embryo to a zygote to a fetus. Aaron, what are the first words... The Department of State Health Services in Texas wants you to know about your baby's development. What's number two again? Fetal pain. pain. Newborn babies are able to feel pain. We know that babies develop the ability to feel pain while in the womb. You changed your voice, so I'm going to assume that one. And if it's not (laughs) that one, I should still get half a point because you led me to believe it was that choice. And I'm just going to go with emotions and feelings. Well, it is number two, and quite frankly, you're right. I'm a woman. I manipulated you (laughs) into what's happening here today. So well played. You're playing right into the rhetoric of a woman's right to know. At some point, I'm going to stop showing up. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, you know I really love you. All right, Jimmy, back to you. Okay, so there's a 3A and 3B, and you only get half a point for each answer. They're both to you, Jimmy, but they're just a little easier questions. Okay, Okay, so in the booklet, which comes first? Information about abortion risks or information about risks associated with pregnancy and childbirth? Uh, The abortion risks, of course. Obviously, yes. Good job, 0.5 points. Now, what is the first risk listed under abortion risks? A, (laughs) mental health risks. What did he say? I said I love decimals. Okay. (laughs) Okay. What is the first risk listed under abortion risks? A, mental health risks. B, cancer risks. C, death. Or D, women taking over the world from men because they're not riddled with babies, low salaries, and a cheating asshole of a husband. Uh, so what, what is the first thing they say is a risk of abortion? Yeah, what's the very first thing they list? It, it was death and then some other things that weren't as bad as death. I'm going to say death. You guys 
are killing it. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. I mean, That's well, the they're trying to obviously thing. trying to scare you out of getting an abortion, so they're going to go scariest first, and then kind of go, you know, they'll decimal their way what down from you? there. You're they'll right. percentage you know, it. You have the right to know, know the truth. Lake, you want to jump in at all here? No, I like that Jimmy's seeing right through them, though, and I started laughing when you were asking that question because I knew that was the correct answer before he got to the answers because, unfortunately, I've had to see that booklet a couple times. <laughs> I dare say that booklet has gotten not just worse in content but also in design. <laughs> like, it just does. it looks like, you know, a 10-year-old in China wrote it and there are some words that are wrong because they didn't know how to translate. It's like a Microsoft 94 pamphlet. Mm -hmm. It really does. It really does. But like are there the pictures? red lettering. There are pictures. I love pictures. Well, I don't think these pictures are the ones we like, though. Okay, Aaron. Probably right. How <laughs> many women died? Go ahead, Jimmy. <laughs> Did you? You say they wouldn't have Jesus on them. I missed it. Say it again. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I don't mean. I keep talking over people. I gotta shut up. No, no, you're mean, the comedian. This is yeah. The, go, yeah. go, go, go. We're just we're. You know, it's like the having sex with each other for the first time, Jimmy. We've got to get each other's rhythms. And you're a married man. I'm sorry. Please tell your wife. It's okay. She's it's, as long as we're through the computer. I think that's <laughs> not cheating, right? I don't know. No. Uh, oh boy. So let's go back in time. What joke did well, you make? What are the laws on virtual abortions? I got to know. <laughs> now that's a good sketch. Okay, Aaron, how yes. many women died from childbirth in Texas in 2018 per 100,000 live births? Which is the way they measure things. So how many women out of 100,000 died from childbirth in Texas? Your choices. This is Aaron's 1, question, right? 1,252. Yeah. I missed it again. No, he was just confirming it was my question. Okay, yes. 1,252, 19, 112, or 50. And this is how many women died from childbirth. Well, I know we got uh, a buddy here who's probably familiar with this pamphlet. Uh, Blake, would you like to? I'm going to assume it's A. 1,252. Blake, would you like to jump in? Oh, this is not in the booklet. This is just maternal mortality statistics, Stephanie. That's what I've been saying, but <laughs> Stephanie just won't give me the, the point. Like... Um, I think it's 19 per 100,000 live births, which seems like a low number, but that's an actually really high rate for a developed country. And isn't Texas kind of up there and... And for mortality, too. yeah, yeah. We're, we're down there. <laughs> yeah, because the doesn't yeah. Sweden have like? There. Isn't Sweden like like point seven or something? Like they don't even have like a whole number, but they respect their people. Um, <clears throat> that's that's my best guess, Aaron. I'm sorry, I don't know for sure. So Blake's guess is nineteen, and I'm gonna go with Blake too. You should. He's right. Eighteen point five deaths. I'm not quite sure how they came up with that number. I guess there weren't quite enough hundred thousands to yeah yeah so in 2018 70 women died during childbirth and 22 women died within a year of giving birth now jimmy for all the marbles how many women died from abortions per 100,000 abortions in and i'm sorry the data is not the same years 2008 to 2011 
in the United oh. States, which is different than. I, I wish you would ask me. I'm I'm really good at 2015 to 2017. That's my <laughs> wheelhouse, but I, I'll try. Oh, of okay. any statistic, it's just it has to be between those years. <laughs> yeah. Really good year. <laughs> oh, I'll give you some choices. 19, 0, 112, or not enough women died from abortion, according to the pamphlet. According to the pamphlet, not enough women died from abortion? I'm just saying they that might be the subtle undertone <laughs> That's the subtext in the pamphlet. <laughs> Wait, wait. So this is this is not this is actually in the pamphlet. This is something that they're they're using yes, in the pamphlet. Yes, this answer is actually in the pamphlet. How many women died from abortion? So it was like nineteen, and then zero, and then something high, and then uh, the the true answer, but in joke form. I'm going to yeah. go with the high one, the highest one. Okay, bless your heart. No, zero women died from abortion. Oh, zero women died from abortion. Really? Yeah, it's at zero point seven three again because you know we don't quite have enough a hundred thousand. But yeah, so they nineteen in childbirth and zero for all practical purposes from abortion. In yeah, a longer like, time span, too. Correct. According to those statistics. Yeah, you're right. That was three years versus one year, and the United States versus Texas. I mean. Wow. If only we kept data like this, date Blake. Mm-hmm. Blake is wow, not wow, wow. In Wait, I'm trying to, to think right about now. the data. I'm like, uh, well, that's why they leave that other statistic out of there, you know. So well, you don't Amy look at the comparison and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm getting an abortion just to be safe, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't well, that care is... that I'm eight months in. Get that thing out of me before I die. Yeah, you know, you got, yeah. Okay, so bone. okay, this is bonus, Jimmy. There are no points here, okay? But just between you and me, would you be surprised to learn that black women account for 11% of live births, but 31% of maternal deaths? Uh, I would believe that. I would also believe the uh, the number was higher because it's it's absurd, you know? Like, and Hispanic women, too. The, The numbers are way higher than white ladies. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, why, how... How you know, like they're they should be accessing the same care, but I guess it's their, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't if know what mistaken, it could be about. Uh, I don't know what uh, what could be the difference there, but uh, it's almost as if we don't have equal access and, yeah. and medical health, or you know, all those other things. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, if I can, uh, it's still in medical textbooks that the darker pigment someone is, the less pain they're likely to feel. No, yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, if I'm not, I see Blake nodding. I, I know that was like relatively, it was still relatively recent that people were being taught that. I don't know if within the past couple of years it's been removed, but I know within the 2010s it was still being taught. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. There were some medical texts that said that. I knew okay. that was an assumption based on the studies they did, but I didn't realize it was actually written down in textbooks. That's yeah, or centuries still being taught it's it's fucking disgusting another reason not to read textbooks <laughs> <laughs> or go to medical Soon school you won't have they'll, they'll just be you know a couple of words here like god and then lots of stuff will be blacked out because of all the redacted information okay final question for this game aaron which of the following is not a listed abortion procedure in the right to know booklet a surgical abortion, B, dismemberment abortion, C, dilation and evacuation, 
or D, drowning abortion? Okay. And it might be a trick question. There might be more than one correct wrong answer. This this might be in poor taste, but dilation and evacuation kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss play. (laughs) I don't know what it means, (laughs) but it, it, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss ride. It's got a certain rhythm to it, right? Yeah, dilation and evacuation. Again, I'm an idiot. I don't know what that means, if that's an actual term. So I do apologize. I was just saying what I was thinking. Um, I uh, I feel like this mem would they really call it dismemberment? I I feel like that's a very gruesome way to call. I, I think be, I think that one. I think that sure. one's not in the in the pamphlet. Correct? Is you're that what right. you're asking? Yes, correct. Okay. That's not a real way to have an abortion, and neither is drowning, or at least drowning is not legal. Yeah. Oh. Oh. All right, Amy, how did yes. our team do? Well, evacuation and evacuation sounds like what you do with green eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, Aaron had three. Jimmy had two, but he also had the bonus point you gave him at the beginning. Oh, so we tied. His... Yes. We're so tied going into the tied. second game. Okay, I have Neck bonus questions. Don't worry, but only if we need them at the end. So I think let's oh. move on to our second oh, yes. game. This Amy. is me. Okay. In oral argument on December 1st, Julie Rickleman, senior director of the Center for Reproductive Rights, made an argument that Dobbs is about liberty for women. And I quote, in Casey, this court held that, quote, a woman's right to end a pregnancy before viability was a rule of law and a component of liberty. For a state to take control of a woman's body and demand that she go through pregnancy and childbirth with all the physical risks and life-altering consequences that brings is a fundamental deprivation of her liberty. So when did the US of A start making errors in judgment and giving women liberties? Let's find out in, so when was that? So when was that? This is going to be a pretty rapid fire game. I have like 20 different dates here. And here are the (laughs) rules, okay? So they're all from the 1700s to current date. And I want you to get it within about a 10-year range. Okay. So, for example, if I said, you know, when was the COVID pandemic in the United States? If we were kids in the 2080s, you would say. Between 2019 and 2048 at this rate. (laughs) And and I'd say, sure. (laughs) You heard it her first, folks. That's right. Aaron Salinas, who probably, yeah. I'm not good with words. Okay, so we're going to start with you, Jimmy. Okay? Okay. When were women finally given the right to have a bank account? Oh, shit. Ooh. I feel like this is in the 1700s. Sorry, no. I'm sorry. It's between the 1700s to now. Oh, between the 1700s yeah. and now. So I'm not oh, going okay. back to like the 1200s. Okay. or Like BC. that's as early as it could be. Correct. Which it definitely is not. Um, I'm going to say what like when we got to get it between like the the decade. Was it between yeah. 1950s and 60s? It was. It was the 1960s. <sighs> oh, was I was going to say, yeah. I feel like we're not going to like this answer. <laughs> that cannot be. Yeah, dude, things are messed up, man. Like, what is going on in this country? I, I cannot know. close my mouth. And wow. did you did at that time? Did you still need a man to sign off on it as well? 
Hold on. I got more questions and answers, Aaron. Okay, so okay. you know what? I'm actually going to put five minutes on the clock, and Tom, stop us after five minutes, and that's as many as we're going to do here. Okay, so Aaron, the U.S. Supreme Court overturns one of the last state laws that prohibited the prescription or use of contraceptives by married couples. When was that? I feel like it's going to be like 1970s. <laughs> Very close. 1965. I'm going to uh, give it to you. Good job. Hey. Damn. Okay. The uh, Back to you, Jimmy. The U.S. Supreme Court outlaws the practice of private employers refusing to hire women with preschool age children. When was that? 1940s? I'm sorry. No, it was the 70s. Oh, 1971. Damn. I was thinking because of the war, you know, but I guess it was another war that triggered it. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. so. we always, once the men are back, they need the jobs. Women, yeah. women miss their homes. Aaron, women gain the right to file patents in the state of New York. Mm, I'm going to say, oh, I, it feels, it feels shitty, but it feels right. The 80s? I'm sorry. It was actually 1845. Oh, exactly. wow. Yeah. Wow. She mixed it up that. there. I wow. knew Eddie Lamar had one, so she... Oh, that yeah. They're, okay, very true. But okay, she could have a bank account. What the... <laughs> she could have a bank account. Even though oh, yeah, she I mean, it still belonged to her off. husband. Jesus. <laughs> she was allowed a patent. And I think it was for... The first patent was for someone making a basket, weaving a basket, I think. Oh, wow. I'll have to look that back up. Okay, back to you, Jimmy. The Supreme Court rules that the right to privacy encompasses an unmarried person's right to use contraceptives. When were unmarried people allowed to use contraception? Ooh. Was that in the 60s as well? It was 1972. I'm going to give it to you. Yes. So yes, the married people were 65 and the single people were 72? Yes. It what was a trial hell? by error basis. Yeah, yeah so married people. I guess they wanted people to get married. You know, like because marriage. You... If there's one thing I know from both my marriages, it's that marriage solves everything. <laughs> Remember, okay. you guys can phone a friend, and Blake knows all the answers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about knowing, but <laughs> we can okay. guess together. Are we back to Aaron? Yes. Yeah. All right. The colonies. Adopt the English system decreeing women cannot own property in their own name or keep their own earnings. Okay, I know you try to help me out by saying the colonies, but you also have to remember I'm a little bit dumb. Um, <laughs> but I know it's not, I know it's before 1776, um, and I know it's after 1492. Um, <laughs> both of which, because grade school rhymes helped me with that. Um, uh -huh. 1845? 1840s? 1769. You were <laughs> oh, so I, I meant 1740s. I, I meant you 1740s. That's what I was talking about. You were right. You were right. Okay, Jimmy. You could have asked Blake for that one. I think he would have helped you. <laughs> Sorry, Blake. I, I might have just said 1700s and kind of <laughs> just left it broad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not giving it to you. Okay, Jimmy. Mm hmm. 
the National Recovery Act forbids more than one family member from holding a government job, resulting in many women losing their jobs. Ooh. The National Recovery Act. I've got I've got some ideas. That sounds like some uh, Roosevelt type stuff. But uh, let me see what Blake has to say. What do you think? No, I think that's right. I think it's the either after World War One or after World War Two Recovery Act. So. I don't know. What do you think? One? Yeah. Yeah? Say 1920s. Uh, how about the, the 20s then? Yeah, or... I'll give it to you. 1932. 32. In response ah, to the right 20s. Good job. I knew it was after 1776. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aaron. The Supreme Court denies states the right to exclude women from juries. Hold on. Say that one more time. The Supreme Court denies states the right to exclude women from juries. So it meant up until this date, women were not allowed to serve on juries. Okay. I know the play 12 Angry Men. That's what I was thinking too. Came out like, <laughs> like in the 40s. <laughs> 60s? Yeah, I'm going to give it to you. 1975. You're close. That's worse. He meant late 60s. <laughs> oh, I... Um, is that it? That's it. That's a minute. All okay. right. And was it, we ended on Aaron. Okay. How did we do? Thank you, Tom. Um, Aaron got five points of t- t- games together. And Jimmy has one, two, three, four, five, six, six points. Ah, uh, by oh. one. Oh. Oh. All right. <laughs> if I may, yes, just sir. as a cisgendered heterosexual man, Ladies have had it rough. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. still to this day, um, hats Thank off. You. We, uh, that, geez, this is, you couldn't have a bank account, but you could have a patent. Yeah. Oh, that's it's just, kind of, it's kind of worse than we thought, isn't it? Like you think it's bad and then you look back and realize, yeah, it's. Um, thank you. Well, we've got great men on this show, and yes, thank you very much. Did. All our negative comments were about other men. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Not, none of y'all are targeted. Okay, Amy. So, do we want to do the pick? So, Jimmy won. It's the most knowledgeable comedian in Austin. So, you're going to get your picture. Wow. Cool. <laughs> okay, so the- everybody smile. Oh. Lean in. Did, did you try to give a. a- Pro not all men statement. I'm just kind of processing <laughs> what you said. Me? Yeah. Oh. Do you take the picture yet? Are we still smiling? I don't, I don't, yeah, Tom. Okay. Good. Okay. Pro not all men. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Not all men take away our civil liberties. Um, right. Now just that we because in 1970 marital rape was you know still allowed. No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Blake, how's it going, bud? <laughs> now that- Did you see that uh, a guy running for state Republican executive committee is proposing that theory that there is no such thing as marital rape, that once you are married, you give up your consent? He was defeated no. this evening, I think, in the meeting by 40 some odd votes to 17 votes, but like 17 people still voted for this dude. To be on yeah. the Republican Executive Committee, so wow. his wife thinks marital rape is while out of vogue. <laughs> Leave it to the modern Texas Republican Party to bring it back. Yeah, Jimmy, say that again. 
I said agree. his wife should stick a cucumber in his butt while he's sleeping. Yeah. But he's a Republican, so, you know. Don't believe, he, likes don't believe he's married. Yeah. <laughs> to no one's great surprise. I shouldn't assume. Yeah. Um, now that we've gone way, way dark, so dark <laughs> that we can see, we can call this the goth over the ledge edition. Let's cheer ourselves up with an abortion in Texas recap with the vows Blake broke out. So I have been inspired that we are going to do a musical about abortion. That's just, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But Blake. Uh, let's be serious, because the rest of this has been hilarious banter about abortion. What the fuck is happening in Texas and why? Man, that's a good question. and something people have been asking me for uh, low these many months. I wish they were more interested in March and April when we were working on this, uh, Stephanie. Um, but once the law took effect, people were really interested. Um, you know, basically, we have... Um, since 2005 or six, when we did mid-decade redistricting, we have drawn a bunch of safe seats. And so only the most extremist um, people get elected in Republican primaries. And the people that are elected are so afraid of a Republican primary opponent that they don't have the courage to stand up and vote against bills like the legislature passed this session. And so we end up with the most um, extreme um, restrictions on abortion and hateful legislation against LGBTQ folks and silly bans on books and all sorts of other fascist stuff. Um, but it's a democracy problem as much as anything because of gerrymandering. That's Thanks, my hot Seth. take. That's a hot take. <laughs> that is the Blake Rocap recap of more than just abortion. Remind me what your first session was in the Capitol. Um, 2007, the 80th. I think okay, and were, you were a clerk, is that right? A committee clerk for the Pensions and Investments Committee. Okay, because what I remember that was my first session as well, and I remember that we were aghast that I cannot remember which senator it was, but in the middle of the night in an appropriations committee hearing, he took five million dollars from Health and Human Services that was providing actual medical care for women and created this new entity called Alternatives to Abortion which did not exist before. It was $5 million. We couldn't believe ourselves. How dare you take away $5 million of health and human service dollars? And now I think that contract is more than $100 million. No. Yeah, or right at $100 million. yeah. Yeah. So, and then it just kept getting a little bit worse, right, every year. So can you break down Senate Bill 8 for us in a, not just the rhetoric, but in a way that might help people whose gut reaction is I'm pro-choice or pro-life? Can you talk about it a little bit more about liberty and rights and this slow disintegration of really what it means to be a Texan and American and you know a good person? Uh, maybe. We'll see. That's a lot of ground to okay. cover. Um, at its basic core, Senate Bill 8 was intended to stop abortions in Texas and avoid the federal courts being able to say it was unconstitutional. That was its design. Um, and so it's modeled on some other legislation from a bunch of other states that put a ban on abortion at a certain point of gestation based on the um, presence of fetal cardiac activity. So that's where it draws the line. But then its enforcement mechanism is that it allows any other private citizen to sue a physician or a clinic or anyone who helps a person get an abortion. And it does that so that 
the state of Texas is not the one enforcing the law. Um, so the state can't be sued for violating your constitutional rights because they're not really doing anything, right? That's the uh, far too cute legal theory behind the bill. I mean, so that's what, that's unfortunately um, why the Supreme Court hasn't blocked um, the law because they've just allowed this wink and a nod to this loophole that is in um, federal civil rights law to go forward. Um, but it basically would allow anyone else to dig into your private business and your own personal decisions. And um, by forcing physicians to not be able to provide you the care you want, infringe on your liberty to decide that you don't want to have um, or don't want to carry a pregnancy to term at that time. You know? They were really, you have to give them some credit with Senate Bill 8, especially the part where they said, if a higher court strikes this down and then another higher court reinstates it, anything that happened in that little in-between period is now illegal again. I mean, they were, they were pretty Yeah, smart. I mean, they knew they the law they were writing was unconstitutional, so they could put any sort of other disincentive in the bill no matter how abnormal um it was to our you know thoughts about how the law should work like normally you can't get in trouble for doing something that's not against the law when you do it right and they kind of turned that mm -hmm. on their head on its head um i think the really interesting thing is that they have not really sued anybody even though they've had some opportunity to do so because they know that's when the law would no longer be able to evade judicial review. So there's this sort of game of chicken happening where they're not really suing anybody because they know all these crazy things they put in the bill would be challenged at that point. Um, but because they're so wild, um, the courts have had a difficult time saying, no, the state can't do that. You know? So I it's a really have... cynical. It's not, I mean, it's, yeah, I guess you have to give them credit for being so blatantly cynical about how they're going about doing it. Yeah. I, uh, I listen to a lot of the oral arguments and normally I try to not talk about, um, federal stuff, but of course this is going to impact everyone and we have Senate bill eight. So it was a very different bill. It's a 15 week ban from Mississippi. Correct. And Texas currently has a 20 week ban. At least that's what the right to know book told me that I had yeah. 20 weeks to figure it out. Um, I would this this is what happened to me is number one, I had a new respect for the Supreme Court because even though I hate a lot of those justices and how they got nominated, they did seem to really be focused on what they think the Constitution says and doesn't say and where the court should or should not have power. And I was remarkably impressed with this woman, Jill Julie. Ju Julie Reichelman. Oh, she was She's so amazing. smart and yeah. so articulate and uh I, I, I put in our show notes where you can read the transcript because I thought she made some really good points. And I know that I, I said it earlier and a lot of people are already trying to do this. We're like, people have this gut reaction about it's a baby. It's not a baby. How, how, what is a vow doing to try to articulate that that's really a, a separate question? The real question is, does a woman or anyone get to do what they want to with their own body. Cause I'm not sure that people understand that depending on how they rule on this and what they say, right? Like Roe versus Wade didn't say, I'm just going to keep talking. Roe versus Wade didn't say you have a right to the abortion. It said you have a right to privacy. Right? Yeah. And, so how, and how do you get that message across? What are y'all doing? 
Well, I think there's um, we we try to work as much as we can with the other interest groups who um, issues are protected by that liberty part of the 14th Amendment, where the court has found a privacy, a personal right to privacy. So that includes, um, you know, our our friends in the LGBTQ plus um, movement, whose right to to marry, whose right to um, have their gender identifiers on state documents be correct, who's, you know, right to, and these that participate in sports or go to the correct bathroom is all implicated by that federal constitutional right. And I think there has been a lot of focus on the idea that um, if the court finds that there's not a right to abortion in the liberty clause of the 14th Amendment and the privacy right that's contained in it, then they're not they're going to find that there's not a necessarily a right to contraception and those cases that we didn't mention by name but we talked about by date Eisenstadt versus Baird and Griswold versus Connecticut are going to go out the window too and the right to um same sex marriage you know is encompassed in that as well the right to um you know all sorts of other um what about like pre-existing health conditions Right, an employer could not hire me because I had high blood pressure, diabetes, an STD. Right, there'd be no privacy. I have all yeah. those things. I want you all to know. So <laughs> I'm glad that my boss employs me. But I think what we're really doing is trying to um, uh, sh show people that um, you know abortion is is normal, and people need abortions to continue their the lives that they want to lead. And um, you know, I always say because it's the truth but like you know between 60 and 65 percent of the people that have abortions are already parents um they're they're having they're they're terminating that pregnancy at that time out of the love for their spouses and children and the family that they have and it has nothing to do with their um you know hating kids or children or whatever i mean that's certainly a, an okay reason not to have a baby but the people that have abortions are really doing it for the families that they have um and that it's something that everybody um one in four, one in three people need an abortion in their lifetime. And that, you know, as the, our friends at the national network of abortion funds say that everybody loves someone who's had an abortion. So it really affects um, a lot of people more than they know. You said it earlier about how people weren't paying attention during session, but now it seems like they finally are. And I felt this way about COVID. I have felt this way about school shootings. I felt this way about a lot of things that like when it finally hits you personally, that's when you'll change your mind. And I've been disappointed because it seems like killing children and killing old people is still not enough. My understanding though, is that Senate bill eight is really shifting people's opinions. Can you confirm or deny and talk us through what your work is going to be like before the next election cycle? You know, um, I don't know if it's um, really shifting people's opinions. I think the the opinion polling is held steady, which is like three quarters of the country wants the right to abortion protected, right? That like more than 70% of people think that and they have varying feelings about what they think a proper restriction is or restrictions they're in favor of. Um, but that hasn't really changed. And the people that you know, this is such a bad barometer for how we do public policy, but the people that identify as pro-life or pro-choice hasn't changed a whole lot either. I think we're still more than 
45% of the country says they're pro-choice and a little bit less than that says they're pro-life. But even those people that are pro-life think there should be some right to abortion, right? They just personally maybe wouldn't make that decision for themselves. Um, so I, I'm not sure public opinion is a great way to think about um, what we do next. One, because, you know, public opinion shouldn't really affect people's um, fundamental rights, right? I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> That's can we vote on Stephanie's fundamental rights, the rest of us? <laughs> uh, just put um, something on Instagram and then I'll be like, That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then sort of back to my original point, like public opinion doesn't always get reflected in our representative democracy and who gets elected, right? Um, so we're going to try to come hard at all the people that voted for this garbage in the next election cycle. And hopefully um, we'll get some of the national resources that we've been begging for for at least the 15 years that I've been doing this work in the state of Texas to um, come down and hit back hard on the millions and millions of dollars of um, you know, anti-abortion and anti-labor union and anti-worker and anti-everything else money that has pervaded the Texas electoral system in the past uh, 20 years. Do you, do you have a personal story that you would share why you do this work or did you kind of stumble into it like I did most of my pregnancies? Um, I, I only, I'm joking I... mom and dad. I've had zero pregnancies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, it's two different things, uh, how I ended up doing the work and why I, why I do it. Right. I, um, was in law school when the legislature enacted the parental notification law. Um, and so the, one of the constitutional safeguards on parental notification law is, um, the requirement of a judicial bypass. So you could go to court and have a judge say that you're mature enough and well-informed enough because you've read the booklet that you don't have to tell your parents that you want to have an abortion if you're not 18. Um, so I started doing that work in, in law school when the law was fresh, and that kind of got me into the work. Um, but mostly, um, I think I have a big sister who, for my whole life, was um, smarter and better than me at everything. And knowing that she was a full um, person and deserved her own autonomy and um, right to make her own decisions and um, you know a, a mother who was the same and two and several smart aunts and cousins who um, I love dearly that I was, you know, wasn't too big of a stretch for me to, you know, not be a misogynist. <laughs> Thank you. Not every man. I like <laughs> what, uh, what do you wish the commoner knew about the work that you do and about abortion <laughs> access and by commoner, I mean, Aaron, um, somebody who's not paying attention to politics. I still show up though. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think that um, uh, even before now, uh, getting an abortion in Texas was really difficult. There's not a lot of clinics. They were all always, um, you know, scheduling appointments close to 10 days or two weeks out. Um, and so, and it's expensive, right? So it's five or $600 because the physicians in the clinics that um, provide abortion care have to jump through all the hoops that the state um require so if you think like the there's you know barriers to people who want an abortion i'm um, getting abortion care which is like getting that booklet 24 hours in advance um 
seeing my sonogram, seeing your sonogram, exactly having a little part of that sonogram to me. Well, yeah, being forced to to have the sonogram to start with, which is medically unnecessary, right? Well, so then the regulations on the clinics and the physicians that are behind the scenes, they're also trying to comply with all of that as well. So that it's not something that's easy and that none of the restrictions um, on abortion care are about medicine or safety or what what is the best care possible. They're about um, the political issue. They're about legislators being able to say, oh, we passed this bill that will make it harder to get an abortion. And that's the intent of every abortion restriction is to make it more difficult and more burdensome to get an abortion so that some people will not be able to. And and that's the ultimate goal uh, of the anti-abortion movement is to stop people from having abortions no matter how they do it. You know, Even if it means you know budgeting $100 million of state money to have fake clinics lie to people and tell them the wrong gestational age so they can't access the care they need. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little depressing sorry fellas i know this yeah. is a tough i struggled with creating games i'm struggled with these uh questions for you but i do think it's important really important to talk about and like you said i mean there are two women on this call so add two more and one of us has had an abortion right um, yeah that, that's the odds those are the odds I've got to uh, say, I've had some friends who have had abortions in the past, and I think the world is better because of it. Like, <laughs> they were not people who should be raising kids. Like, I don't know, I like, uh, not to judge or anything, but, uh, I mean, well, there's we need one a lot thing of alcoholic parents. Like, <laughs> yes, if you're forced into parenthood, that, those are the best parents. That's what I have found. Yeah. Yeah, because I well, found parenthood is, of course, ex exceptionally difficult anyway. Even when you, you know, that's the outcome you want, right? So to, I think, I think most mm -hmm. people who are are in favor of giving people bodily autonomy and the ability to terminate a pregnancy become even more so after they become parents. There's not a lot of oh, my children are such a joy, Every, you know, <laughs> everyone should have them. It's uh, it's a hard, you know, hard. It's hard being a parent. That's how I became abortion dad, you know. As a preschool yeah. teacher, I can tell you. There you go. Probably should add an abortion. Aaron, I'll get right back to you. Hold on one second. Jimmy, so you teach preschool. I assume there's not a lot of sex ed going on in your classroom. You assume wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you noticing as far as administration telling you what you can and cannot teach? the preschoolers or is it just such a herding cats moment that your curriculum has not been stifled the great thing about my preschool is number one it's independently owned so we don't have to like abide by the uh you know like rising star and all these other things that like really put you through a lot of hoops as well um but we're also a nature-based based preschool so we just kind of like use an emergent curriculum so we kind of go off what the children uh, are vibing towards and we kind of build the curriculum from that and kind of teach them like uh, one day we're like started digging up this stump because the little kids kept tripping on it. And then it ended up being this whole thing. We're like excavating this, this stump now in the whole playground and like the, the kids are digging at it with shovels and every day we unearth a little bit more and they, they've gotten into like the rocks that we find under there. They call them space rocks and dinosaur bones, you know? So then we teach them about that kind of stuff. And when, like bodily autonomy comes up. We teach them about that kind of stuff too. We try to like tiptoe around, like using any language that's not objective, you know, 
but we'll we'll talk about everything we can with them as objectively as possible because you know even though they're they're children you know they're in this world and they're observing these things and they're going to be a part of it too so you know they have a right to know as well um but we try to not like you know be graphic or anything or like get too political with them we just kind of tell them the broad strokes essentially um so I'm I don't know. Write a, a, uh, I'm writing down to write a right to know pamphlet for preschoolers. So that, I got that. Aaron, what were you going to talk about? Well, now I just want to say I went to public pre-K and um, I found a crayon tip uh, that was broken during nap time and I shoved it up my nose. We have completely different <laughs> <laughs> dynamics here. But what, what I am curious about for Blake, because um, every time... Um, an abortion bill comes up. It's always clearly a hot topic issue for whatever state it's in and across the country. So is this just white men abusing their power and not listening to their constituents? Or is it just the, 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 the constituents are putting the wrong people. Like I, I've always been curious is like, is this just in a true abuse of power or is just like, no, they feel like their constituents want this. And I know like for, for us, it's a, you know, in Texas specifically, it's a lot of the more rural uh, representatives that come forward and bring these bills up. And but this one was brought up by the um, children of the corn guy. Briscoe. Uh, yeah, Briscoe, who's from Houston. Well, I mean, Houston suburbs. But like even then, like a lot of suburban folk are like, no, we want the right of choice. Like. Like we're not pro-abortion, but we just, you know, we'd like that uh, that available to them. So, they, is it an abuse of power, and they just don't listen to their constituents, or, or what is it? Um, it's so it's some of each. That's a really good insight that there's these two things working um, there. So, it is their feeling that is what their constituents want, right? And there are certainly some of their constituents in that are voting in Republican primaries, which is a super small subset of everybody right and and even everybody in their districts um so it's a feeling that that's what those people want um and it's also sort of uh, i don't know if benign neglect is the right word but it's an issue that's not animating a lot of people to make their voting decision on it Hmm. so it's people that are like yeah i'm nominally i guess you should have the right to abortion but i also want whatever other load of horse shit the Republican Party is promising, low taxes and unicorns and a weather grid that, you know, electric grid that works. So they vote for that. And then, you know, the, you know they're not really thinking about how badly things are going for um, people in the state that need an abortion, right? And, and there ha so there hasn't been any political retribution for all of the abortion restrictions in Texas. Right, because for the most part, I think, because the Supreme Court has uh, has blocked many of the bills and, and there hasn't been a super, super steep decline in the availability of abortion care. Um, does that does that make sense? So it's like they're doing what they're they're doing what a very slim set of their constituents want, and their other constituents are excusing that bad behavior mm -hmm. because it's not as important to them. Because well, it, it's, it's not affecting their taxes, it's not affecting their income. Could be, yeah. God, also, squeaky, squeaky wheel gets the the oil, right? That's what's happening. And I think fundamentally people believe that wouldn't happen here. Yeah. That yeah. wouldn't happen here. We'll never lose this right. It'll never get that bad. 
right? And it does look like we're going to have to lose it. And then I, I still don't know if it's... I will say one good thing about menopause. <laughs> I don't have to worry about abortion access. So thank you. Any closing words, Blake? Uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Guess right. Be sure you registered to vote. Register your preschoolers to vote, Jimmy. <laughs> Do you have a civic participation? Uh, we uh, we try to bring on? up voting that, and stuff. Oh, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What's that in the corner of your screen? Go. Oh, that's some dog, maybe? Yeah. I got a, fr a friend coming over. We're going to play some, some PlayStation 5 after this, so you know. Oh, nice. Okay, well, you can find out what virtual abortions are like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we're going to perform some Excellent. abortions and, you know, but. Uh. All right. Amy, take us home. Get us out of here. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you so well, much. It's been 20 weeks and we got to let this go. Okay, thank we'll you so up. much to our special guests, Blake Rocap and Jimmy Smoltich. Jimmy, where can viewers find you next? Any shows coming up? Uh, I have a show tomorrow night in Maynard at Libation Station. Um, you can buy tickets online at Libation Station Tickets or Texas or something. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook too, Jimmy Smoltich, and on Instagram at Jimmy Smoltich, and on Twitch at Jimmy Smoltich, because I'm pretty creative. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's your your medium at coming up with handles too. <laughs> you know, m luckily, uh, luckily, my last name is Smoltich, and that's not a very popular last name. So that's I can true. put that on anything, and nobody's taking it yet. So awesome. And Blake, what's next for you and a vow? Um, you know, we're watching the um, candidate filings right now to see who's running for the legislature and statewide offices. Um, next year and we're raising money for our political program to make everyone aware how bad the folks in charge are and um, how to support the good good legislators um, so you can um, you know follow us at you know avow texas all over social media and find me for um abortion dad jokes um <laughs> also but i'm my I don't know where I'll be where I'll be next. Hopefully not the capital for another eighteen months or so. Oh my lord. That's right. Oh my lord. All right. Uh, Aaron, your short film is on Oh yeah, my short film is on uh, YouTube. It's again called Walk It Out, a short paced uh, a well paced documentary on speed walking. Um, you Good. Can find it's it really on... funny. It's Thank really you. funny. You can find it on the Bridge Burners uh, YouTube page. All right. Um, all right, thank you and to Aaron Salinas as well, and also our Over the Ledge Benevolent Empress, Stephanie Chiarello. Thank you to our new sound engineer, Tom Booker, and remember, Tom Booker loves you. You love me. Thank you to Amy Lowry. Did I mention Amy Lowry? Her name is Amy Lowry. Don't worry, she I took care guides of us through this episode. <laughs> A second thank you to our sponsors. We couldn't do this without you. Amy Lowry. <laughs> You're welcome. And that's our show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok as at Over the Ledge. Okay, hold on, Tom. Don't sign us out. My dad sent me a little text for us to have our answer. The first woman to receive a U.S. patent was Mary Keys, K-I-E-S. Was it Baskets? May 5th, 1809, weaving straw and silk. Q 
Keys could create fashionable hats of the day. A lot different than today. So I guess she got a patent. What is what is a hat but a basket that you wear on your head though, you know? Good. Amen. Point. Yeah. yeah. Here, Amen. A little... That's a song right there. That's... There you go. <laughs> all right, Tom, you can take us out now. Thank you everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks y'all. Nice to meet you all. You too, Blake. You too. Thanks, Blake. That was lovely.